Okay, here we are at State of the Arts NYC. This is your host, Savannah Bailey-McLean. And we are so delighted to have in the studio with us today, we have the artist Anne Christopher and the gallerist Marianne Rosenberg. Thank you so much for coming. Welcome. Well, thank you for having us. Pleasure to be in uh, downtown Brooklyn. Yes. Thank you, Anne, for joining us. My pleasure entirely. Good, good. And what's special about this particular, ex- well, I should say this series um, on our show, um, and is um, being exhibited at Marianne's Gallery, and that's Rosenberg and Company on the Upper East Side on 66th Street, and this is her first show in New York City. So this is pretty, pretty exciting. It's my first solo show. I have had um, little ex- works works in some galleries mm-hmm. um, over the years but this is this is my first proper show okay and this is lovely because it's a mixture of works on paper and also sculpture and I was there at the opening and it was quite impressive to look at all of these wonderful pieces so I'm going to kick off by asking Marianne how does she find Anne and what inspired her so to to bring her to New York well, it, it like it's it. There's a little bit of serendipity of turning the pages of a book or looking on pages of the internet, uh, and I saw a work by Anne Christopher, uh, which was a medium-sized sculpture, mm-hmm. um, and the way it was done and its presence and its elegance just struck me completely, mm-hmm. and I began looking up Aunt Christopher and then talking to the gallery, which is Pangolin uh, in uh, London that yes. represents her, and one thing led to the other, and it seemed to me that Aunt Christopher's work was completely and utterly different from other works that I had seen and Mm -hmm. that here was an artist who really had something to say in a different way to say it. Okay. What I was struck by was this interview that was done. And I believe you conducted the interview with Anne talking about what inspired her. And one of the things I liked so much was that Anne was determined from a young child to be a sculptor. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. I mean, I knew... um, at the beginning, I knew absolutely that I was going to do something in art. Okay. Um, and the sculpture became tiny bit. Well, it came when I was actually at art school, and they presented me with the statement, "Okay, so you're going to go on and do textile design." And they I went, told you. Yeah. And I said, "What on earth makes you think that?" And they said, "Well, because you like the printing." I said, "Yes, I like the physicality." Mm-hmm. He said, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I said, "I want to do sculpture." That actually came out of the blue. Wow. I hadn't really thought about it properly. Um, And they said, that's fine. You can do whatever you want to do. So they gave you the freedom to do it. Oh, yeah. This was after my first year at art school when you had to actually choose which which road you were going to follow. Okay. And so that's when the sculpture came into it. I'm a very uh, hands-on person. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also read that you were not impressed with a lot of figurative 
uh, works and sculptors who were in that particular genre that you really gravitated towards the abstract pretty early on. I, I did, totally. I mean, we there were certain things we had to do at art school. We had to do a head. We had to do a figure. But the second I was allowed any kind of freedom of expression, it went abstract. Mm. And I have no idea where that came from. It's just coming out of me. Wow. Well, reading about you, as well as looking at your work, one of the things that also struck me was there's this sort of spiritual aspect to it. And I thought maybe because both of you are women, you wanted to speak about it because women tend to focus on the elements. We tend to focus on nature. We tend to focus on family and how they all blend together. And when I look at your work and then I'm reading Marianne's take on your work, it just feels like there's this connectedness when it comes to nature or the supernatural or the spiritual elements of the world and and you take it all in stride and you just put it all together am i wrong well it's um you're not really wrong but I, it's something i don't think about i work very very intuitively mm-hmm. um and there are mis mysterious moments in the creation of the work and that sounds terribly kind of scatty where the work is dictating to me how it wants to be finished Mm -hmm. so there is a kind of mysterious element I am very very um, in tune with nature Mm -hmm. Uh, you know I love being in the garden but then I like pruning but then that's about sculpture Okay. And that's about controlling. Or shaping. (coughs) And in fact, some of uh, Anne's works that are the more vertical kind, Mm -hmm. uh, that have a tremendous presence, were inspired, I believe, by a different kind of nature, which is the nature that we've created in uh, Manhattan with all of these high-rises. And when she came to New York and she saw these magnificent vertical buildings and with their stature and their presence and glass and whatever, uh, you see that majesty and that, that enormous presence in a very tactile fashion in some of her vertical uh, sculptures. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that too. It almost reminded me when I was reading and looking at some of her works of Stonehenge yes. because of that you know, vertical nature of all of those um, pieces that, again, has that sort of mystical element to it. So since you started that, Marianne, was that what struck you when you saw her sculptures? Partly, I mean, it, it, it's it's a it's a it what what exudes out of Anne's work is to me both a tremendous, uh, powerful presence and a tremendous refinement. Uh, these are just not vertical or, or or whatever shape they may be. They're incredibly finished works. They're refined. Uh, the 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 different use of different kinds of textured bronzes, uh, the etchings in them, uh, 
each side of the sculpture may have different um, uh, elements to it in terms of its being more or less smooth and rugged. And you just, it's very hard uh, to resist. You, the first thing you want to do is, I don't know why, you want to touch them. Mm. Uh, because it's something that just beckons you forth. And that, that's something very strong in her sculpture. Wow, that that's a nice way of describing it. And then um, I took the time to look at some of the people you referenced and as being influential uh, in your life. You were talking about Brian Neal, correct? Yes, Brian. I saw an exhibition of Brian Neal's welded sculpture, mm -hmm. abstract welded sculpture, when I was a first year at college, and I decided that's it. I have to work wow. with metal. Um, I should add that I have in my genes a blacksmith. Really? As a grandfather. <laughs> oh, my God. And a watchmaker. Ooh. As a grandfather. So I'm something in between the two because I have the precision or the demand for precision of the watchmaker. Mm-hmm. But I have the sort of, I suppose, the brutality okay. <laughs> of the blacksmith. Okay. So I didn't stand a chance, really. I think <laughs> I wouldn't say brutality, but you know that you know that um, you know the dexterity of actually you know making something out of molded metal. I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Brutality wasn't quite the right word. But, yeah, um, but I you have to have physical strength to do it. Well, that comes with practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sometimes asked, well, especially as a woman sculptor. Um, don't you need to be strong? Well, I'm actually stronger than quite a lot of men. Ah. But you become strong because that's what you're doing. Okay. It's like going to the gym, but you don't need to go to the gym. Okay. And just for the benefit of our audience, I put up some uh, on the screen here, our computer screen, some images of uh, Brian Neal. And they're quite beautiful. There's a lot of shape to it. Because I believe in the beginning, when you started doing your sculptures, they were more horizontal versus vertical, correct? That's correct. And, and also as a student, they were much more um, rounded. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was... I, I can't explain why I make the shapes I make. They are very much a reflection of what I've experienced. Mm -hmm. um, Marianne was talking about my well, my first trip to New York absolutely blew my socks off. I wow. loved it. But I also love contemporary architecture. So I was in Seventh Heaven. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and, that's and now we all. are. Okay. <laughs> And then I was struck with uh, Anselm uh, Kiefer. Yes. Because uh, as a you know German artist, they, they kind of really get into that sort of nitty-gritty when they do a lot of their works, whether it's the, the black charcoal, you know, or in here you're seeing how he's able to, you know, fuse these different sort of styles and almost peel things away so you can see the layering of all of it. When I saw your bronzes, this reminded me uh, of what you were trying to do. Am I going in the right direction? I think so. I think that's why I connect with him. I mean, it's it's his, his paintings are so three-dimensional. Mm -hmm. um, and they have a feeling about them. It, it's, a, it's a mystery. I, I like to see things that challenge my mind that that make me think about or wonder what's what they're about but generally speaking i just respond to something i don't analyze 
why. Mm-hmm. I just kind of absorb what it is that's fascinating me. And I think, Marianne, you loved um, Anne's works because of the different color patinas that she uses on her well, bronzes. I mean, Anne's work is uh, also interesting because she can work in many different colors mm-hmm. uh, and on, in very different scales. There are some sculptures where their work does not translate when it goes from a smaller size to a larger size, but Anne's work is very powerful. So we have a small work that's almost a triptych of three uh, stone hen looking uh, vertical pieces connected, and they're in a very rich uh, reddish mm-hmm. uh, color. And it wasn't until I was face-to-face with the sculpture that I realized, actually, it was quite small. It was maybe six inches high. Mm-hmm. It had such presence that I thought I was dealing with something that was, you know, several feet high. Uh, so, yes, the, the patina plays into whatever she is working with, and there are some work, works that even have um, a uh, gradation of color yes, yes. where they'll start out at the top being very dark, bronze and then fade into something that is um, much more ephemeral in color and, and pale and gray and it, and it, it, it creates this this thing that is so unique in Anne's which is this mixture between uh, uh, something that is uh, uh, powerful and has incredible presence but also has sort of a a certain fragility and elegance to it and that's that's exceedingly unusual. In fact, um, and you like working in different sizes because now all of your works, just because they're in bronze or stainless steel, are huge. Some of them are, you know, small. Some of them are kind of... Uh, tabletop. Yeah, tabletop or, you know, you could place them on a wall in a living room or a dining room and it, and it might be two feet, three feet long. You work in different sizes. I, I do. I mean, people ask me what size of my sculptures and I actually say... Well, to date, six inches up to six meters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know your feet and inches here. Um, six meters is about 20 feet, okay. something like that. Okay. But when I make something, I know what size I want to make it. I, I very, very rarely will make something small that's intended to be big. Okay. I mean, you have to do that if you're doing a commission because somebody will want a, mo- a model. Okay. Uh, yeah, a marquette. A yeah. Marquette. But it's never really quite the same because once you're making a big piece, a lot of other things are demanded. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And, in fact, not only do you deal with different sizes, you also deal with wearable sculptures as well, correct? That is correct, yes. I, I have to date made three as I call them, wearable sculptures. Um, they're necklaces to anybody else, but I call <laughs> them wearable sculptures. Mm-hmm. But they're not just ordinary necklaces because you're wearing one today, aren't you? Um, no, this is an amalgam of other people's ne- necklaces. Okay. It looks similar to another piece you yes. wore on opening night. That's wh- It was a, a black necklace that you right. were wearing. But the point is you have also delved into wearable sculptures with stainless steel pieces or silver pieces. And um, so people can also take that away with them as well. Yes, there, there are a lot more... Um, I was going to say user-friendly, but only to women. 
Well, no, actually, why not? Well, yeah, men could wear them uh, too. The, the black one, particularly. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and so, um, sorry. Going to Marianne, I wanted to just pick on the fact that, you know, again, you're a fourth generation art dealer and a woman. And uh, it's a tough business, isn't it, sometimes for women? I I would say is it tougher than any other business for a woman? I'm not sure. Um, You know, my my great-grandfather created uh, the gallery in 1878 in Paris Mm. uh, and then eventually passed it on to uh, his two older sons, Léonce and Paul. Uh, Paul, who was my grandfather, became the legendary uh, art dealer uh, who, you know, Paul Rosenberg, who represented, uh, starting in 1918, was the exclusive dealer for Picasso, mm. and then thereafter to Brock, and then Leger, and then Matisse, and Marie-Laurencin, and really brought European art and culture to the United States very early on in the 30s. He was making trips here, working with Alfred Brett at a bar at the Museum of Modern Art, working with Paul Mellon, uh, working with Sachs at the the, um, uh, then Fogg Museum in Boston and um uh, and, uh, you know, with the outbreak of World War II, yes. uh, the family fled to the United States in with quick dispatch, uh, with the exception of my father, who was prevented from leaving France because he was over 17, and boys over 17 were not allowed to leave France because of really? con- conscription reasons. Yeah. yeah, he was literally pulled out of the car trying to pass the border, but managed to escape and went to France, and my father was one of the original fighters with uh, Free French Forces de Gaulle. Wow. And uh, fought uh, uh, first in Africa, in uh, in the then French Congo, and then through Central Africa and up to Chad and across the Sahara Desert to Cairo, rejoined Leclerc's 2nd Armored Division, did the campaign of North Africa, including El Alamein. Jesus. Was brought back to... <laughs> Was brought back to the what UK. <laughs> was brought back to the UK. Did the landings at uh, Utah Beach, Battle of Normandy, liberation of Paris, and all the way east to um, to Bavaria, to Hitler's uh, uh, um, you know uh, little house in the in in the Bavarian mountains. And then he came to the states in '46, and thereafter took uh, took over the gallery. Well, that's quite a history. That's it quite is. a legacy, wouldn't you say? It is. It is a heavy legacy. Just to repeat it was enough for me. I was like, wow, what a life. But but throughout the history of the galleries, uh, there was a commitment to represent existing art. You mm-hmm. know, you know, my, my, my grandfather, great-grandfather, and so forth. Father always represented Impressionist, Post-Impressionist, and so forth. But they also represented uh, contemporary artists. Right. And, of course, not everybody has the luck to have Picasso and Matisse <laughs> as contemporary artists. But I think I'm coming pretty close with Anne Christopher. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was quite, uh, you know, a description of everything. But I agree with you about modern art because modern art did start to change starting in the 1860s. I don't even know if you saw the exhibition that was done at Columbia University posing modernity because they were starting to talk about all of that, how it was changing, the perception of women, uh, all of that. And now that exhibition is should be opening up very soon in Paris at the Musée d'Orsay. But a lot of this interconnectedness is important. A political question. I don't normally do this, but I, I am because next year, 
as you know, is the centennial for the women's right to vote, the 19th Amendment. Yes. Big year across the country. And so I was just wondering your take on the fact that women are now starting to come in the forefront in so many, you know, um, industries, but also in the arts. And just wanted both of your opinions about what that means for you, if anything. Uh, it, it's a complicated question. Um, one loves art when one first looks at it. When I first saw Anne Christopher's work, I did not know if Anne, putting aside her name, when, mm-hmm. when I saw the work, I did not know if the artist who had created that was male or female. Okay. Uh, it's great art or it isn't. I got you there. Uh, and a gallery is a great gallery with a vision uh, whether or not it is run by a man or a woman. Theoretically. Mm-hmm. This is in theory. Mm-hmm. In practice, we all recognize uh, that it has been historically much harder for women to get representation in galleries and particularly in museums. I remember a few years ago going to the Royal Academy, of which Anne is a member, where they had an extraordinary show on American Abstract Expressionism, and they were almost no women represented there. There was Lee, a painting by Lee Krasner, who was a Pollock's uh, right, wife, wife, but the mm-hmm. painting was not really her painting. It was one she did as a tribute to him after his death. Uh, so it really was more about him than her. Okay. Um, there was lots of uh, sculptures by Smith, uh, but none by his wife, Dorothy Denner, and so on and so forth. And it struck me at that point, there was a Frankenthaler, but that was just a right. one and a small one. Right. So yes, historically, it's been true. It has been an industry, uh, which is a horrible term to use in connection with art, but it is a, a domain, shall we say, okay. that has been dominated by men. But then so many have been. So many domains have been. So, yes, we're breaking through, and I think that's a very good thing. I believe that Friday is International Women's Day. It is. And I'm excited about that because uh, we are a gallery that is run by four women, and we have a solo show of a woman artist, and I don't think I can do much better than that. No, you really <laughs> you really have. I think that's great. I know, and... Uh, for you, uh, our celebration of the women's right to vote is a little connected to your country because your country allowed, yes, you had a suffragist movement too. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's uh, as a, a woman artist at art school, it never occurred to me at all that I was picking a difficult road because I didn't have a choice. Mm. It was coming from inside me. Um and again, uh, I actually remember my mother saying to one of the uh, art school uh, tutors, but she wants to do sculpture. She'll never earn a living making sculpture. <laughs> and he just said, wow. well, Elizabeth Frink does. Elizabeth ah, Frink was a great friend. Yes. Of mine, so eventually, we became very right. good friends, which was wonderful. Um, but all, it's quite curious. All the galleries that I have been represented by actually have had a woman director. Isn't yeah. that something? Which is quite interesting. I, I, I never thought about it before. Mm-hmm. I, it's not something I think about. I don't question whether a work is by a man or a woman. But you were talking about, um, I think it's particularly hard for a woman if their partner is also an artist. Correct. Mm-hmm. So you were referring to 
um, Pollock's wife. Right. She has a double problem. Yes. Ha- had a double problem. Right. Because he was the more famous, famous one. one. Mm-hmm. And she was like the support. Mm-hmm. But that's so true of, of so many others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the Delaunay, mm-hmm. Robert Delaunay was, was extremely well known. She deliberately subsumed her careers to his and went into, dare I mention it, textiles ad. Uh, and oh, what a pun. Yes, and it wasn't <laughs> until recently that there have been some fabulous shows actually in London and Paris about Sonia Delaunay, and mm. she was a fabulous artist herself, but she subsumed her career just like Dorothy Denner subsumes her to her husband's sculptures and so forth, and this is a trend throughout. Mm. So this that was not unusual at all, and I actually thought of doing ex- an, an exhibition about uh, the significant others, mm. um, bec- and trying to bring in the forefront. Yes, these women. Th- these women who, who who were also sculptors or painters or creators of something, and whose careers got subsumed to the man in their life. But with Anne, it's different from you because I did not realize your husband, Mister Cook, yeah. is uh, he was into um, owning his own foundry, correct? Correct. So in some ways, you reversed it because you're the artist and he's the foundry. And and your husband was so kind and so gracious on opening night. He was explaining in utter detail your work. You were upstairs. He was downstairs. And he was like, come, look. And he's explaining. And I was like very impressed. Like he really is into his wife's uh, art. But now I understand there's this real connection between the two of you. Yes. I mean, in that sense, I suppose it does look a little, it's it's not a role reversal mm-hmm. because we are constantly kind of a partnership. <laughs> it's a partnership, very much so. And when uh, he still has his um, fine art foundry and the majority I'm trying to think the majority of his clients interestingly were women Mm. Um, but he worked very very unlike big big foundries his was a very personal foundry and so he would work with the artist very much on their individual pieces okay so he has a slightly different take um, and a very personal kind of knowledge of his artist's actual creations. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's much better at about talking about my work than I am. Well, I'm just talking about the fact that he was very supportive that night. He was extremely supportive, and that's what I meant about reversal in the sense that he was now assuming that role of being supportive of his artist's wife and sharing with others so that they could get a better understanding because he went into details about the shadows, about your techniques and how you played with the colors, with the bronzes, where you were almost painting on the bronzes based on the chemical techniques. Oh, he was quite good. I should have sent him instead of me. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, you know, no, I think we wanted you here, but I'm just trying to say that he was very supportive. Well, now, uh, Marianne, tell us how long the exhibition is up for. The exhibition runs until May. Um, I always like to keep my exhibitions up for at least two months. Okay. Um, we, We will have a full 
complete uh, color catalog with essays and uh, images and so forth. And I want people to be able to have the time to come and to come back. I think okay. it's an exhibition that um, when you see the works a second time, uh, you know, it grows on you a lot more. I, I see people come in the gallery and they take a quick spin. That's not doesn't give it you know the, it's the, proper the, due. It's proper due and it's only when you come by and you start of looking at the works and how they play with each other that it's so it will stay open till may okay great and give us the address of your gallery because this is an expansion for you too it is so this is this is special for Anne because it's her first solo complete uh exhibition in new york but for me it's special and i was so i thought it was such a good fit to do with Anne, which was we just expanded our gallery we are located 19 east 60 6th Street, which is right off Madison on 66th Street between Madison and 5th, and we took the floor above, which turned out to be extremely auspicious because the floor above has very high ceilings. Mm. It's an old building. It used to be the parlor floor, ah. where when we received gifts, uh, guests, and now we're receiving beautiful sculpture, so it works out beautifully. So this is our newly expanded gallery, and it's it's just fantastic to, to open it with Anne. Okay. Sure. I'll just say that particularly the um, the um, you call it the second floor. I, I get very confused with that. Um, <laughs> that the light mm -hmm. coming into the, the particularly the front room on a sunny day with the sculptures yes. and the drawings very beautifully hung with plenty of space between everything, which is how I actually dream works are exhibited. It's worth coming in to see it, particularly that room. It's absolutely fabulous. All right. With, with that, we're going to end our conversation. I want to thank you both for joining me this morning in downtown Brooklyn in absolutely. our studio at Brick and uh, wish you all the very best. Cheers. Thank, thank you. you very much. Oh, that wasn't so hard.